Today we want to continue in the series that I called A Lifestyle That Gives. We're going to talk about developing, developing this heart that has issues to be able to give over and beyond because we've allowed the Lord to work in our heart. Turn your Bibles to 1 Chronicles 29, your tablets, whatever you use for Scripture, please turn to that. And I want to thank all of you for all the birthday cards. I would ask that you would just spend a moment before you leave and you would see Pastor Ryan and wish him a happy birthday. And, uh, yep, he's, uh, he's getting old. <laughs> so again today, how to develop a heart, even though there are issues in our life. How many of you know that you have an issue in an area of your life? There's stuff that just is there. And I know, we know because we've been taught that, you know, in Scripture, that uh, we have overcome, Jesus has overcome, we have the kingdom uh, of God in us, we have the faith of God, we have learned all these things through the years. But the reality is, once in a while, there's still issues, and I want to motivate you, and I want to motivate you to be a giver, I want to motivate you to look above and beyond the stuff, the issue, the problem. Stop looking at the problem and looking at God is victory. When you walk in his ways, there is victory. It's kind of like this. The loaded wagon pulled into the only remaining campsite. Four youngsters leaped from the vehicle and began feverishly unloading gear and setting up a tent. And the boys then rushed off to gather firewood while the girls and their mother set up the camp stove and cooking utensils. A nearby camper marveled at the youngster's father. That, sir, is some display of teamwork. And the father replied, I have a system. No one goes to the bathroom until the camp is set up. <laughs> God's got a system. He's got a system that's called giving. It's called giving even though you feel like you can't, even though you feel like there's a problem, even though you're angry, even though you have an issue, giving is, is a system that God has used to really bring about his blessings in our life. So remember, it's a hard issue. It's not your pastor's fault. It's not your spouse's fault. It's not your parents' fault. When you open your heart, allowing God to deal with the issue of your heart, healing permeates every area of your life. It permeates every area. We have found in Scripture that God uses the tithing and giving to test us if there is an issue in our heart. When there's a problem with the returning of the tithe, when there's a problem with, with uh, giving uh, outside, inside the church, whatever it is, God uses this to say, hey, the reason why the issue's there is because you've allowed yourself to become selfish. You've allowed yourself to not be that giver. We must develop a culture of giving not getting. Remember I told you that a lot of preachers un unwittingly, unknowingly at times teach 
that when you give, that you have to understand and receive from God. And I want to tell you, that's all true. That's all true. Because God said, I will do this. And if God says it, he's not a liar, and he will give. So my premise of my faith in giving and returning is not, in essence, getting back. It's not a, a growth process of getting. It's a growth process of giving. So in this series, uh, you and I, in, this king, in the kingdom of God, we are conduits of God to bring blessings to others in every area of their life. The kingdom of God, again, is within you. Think about it. Think about it. You have all power, all knowledge, all everything inside you, but we don't tap into it because of a lifestyle of non-giving. Luke 6, verse 37 and 38 says, Judge not. You shall not be judged, condemn not. You shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. So the reward of God in giving back to us, that's overflowing, comes not because, watch this, because we gave, but we gave with the right heart. We gave with the right attitude. So listen very closely to this, and, and I want you to really understand this. The overabundant return to you is a reward for a changed heart. It's a reward for a changed heart. Returning the tithe and giving is a test of whether we have an issue in giving. And when we allow God to move in our heart and to open ourselves up to this area, then what it does is it removes the selfishness, it removes the religiosity, it removes the, the, the falsity of, of life that says, don't give because they don't deserve it. Turn to 1 Chronicles chapter 9. We're also going to look at Luke 9, but turn to 1 Chronicles 9. I, I really want you to catch this revelation. And here's the premise. Here's, here's the background of my study. Here's the background of why I've put all this together. I am a pastor first. I am not worried about provision because my heavenly Father always provides. God owns it all, and I am a steward of what is his. So if this comes out of your mouth, you are, you are saying things that are not true, and it's deception. If this comes out of your mouth and saying, Pastor is preaching about giving because the church needs money. God's a provider. And if I'm obedient to what God is saying, there will always, always, always be a place where the need is met. So why I'm teaching on giving is because I am a pastor, and I love you. I am a shepherd, and you are the sheep 
of God's flock. And what I am doing is I am imploring, I am trying to motivate you to get into a lifestyle of giving. It will stop your anger. It will stop your, your unforgiveness. It will stop you thinking the thoughts that you have and laying awake at night and being mad at everybody in the world when you become a giver because no longer are you looking at everybody else to be your happiness. You are looking at the principles of God's word to bring you happiness. And when the principles of God's word bring you happiness, then you no longer live the life of selfishness or religiosity. And you live in a life that is so amazing. So here's, again, my pastoral heart without what we have learned in this series so far. Because if we do not grab a hold of this, many are in bondage. Many that you know are in bondage. Many have strongholds in their life. Some here, your marriage is in trouble. Your health is in trouble. When God does a work in your heart and you have a lifestyle of giving, every area of your life will change. Every area. Oh, pastor, what about faith? That's, you have the faith of God. You already have it. You believe. You know. How many of you would raise your hand right now and say, you know what? I just don't want to believe God. I just want to believe the devil, what he says. There's no one here that wants to, to think that way or to do that. So when God does a work in your heart and you are a giver, you will change. Why? Because he took selfishness out. People hardened their heart to this message. <coughs> They harden their heart to this message so shipwreck will continue. It grieves my heart and it grieves the Holy Spirit that we don't understand that we have an enemy and his name is Satan and he hates you and he doesn't want you to give everything to God. He doesn't walk, want you to walk in kingdom realities. He doesn't want you to walk in, in the blessings and the prosperity of God. He wants you to really love the Scripture. In life, there's tribulation. But be of good cheer. God, way back when, went to the cross. No, be of good cheer. He's overcome the world. There's nothing that has power or authority over you because you have everything that you need. But God's saying now you need to become like I am, a giver. Satan wants to deceive you and keep you in that stronghold. He will give you reasons and even use scripture to try to deceive you like he tempted Jesus and twist it. We see it all around. I, I watch, I get phone calls from pastors all over Pastor Gary, what do I do? I got people coming up to me and saying, well, tithe is not for today. I got people coming up to me and saying, it's Jesus only. I got people coming up to me and saying, and all kinds of deception. And you know what I tell them? Keep preaching the word. 
Keep preaching the word. Keep allowing the word of God to be overwhelming in your church. The word will produce what it was sent to produce. So let me be very frank with you regarding this revelation. The difference between walking in a giving lifestyle and coming against it and being angry at it and not walking in the giving lifestyle. A year from now, you may face divorce. You will be at a hospital. And your family fall, may fall apart. That's how real this is, church. That's how serious I want us to get in this lifestyle. And I want to motivate you. You know, maybe, maybe we need to put locks on the door so you can't use the restroom until you say, I'm going to be a giver. That's how important this window of opportunity is. For me, a terminology from a mentor of mine, a culture shift. It's where we do not allow lifestyle of religiosity to make the word of God of no effect. That we begin to live a, a life that says, I'm doing what God says. I'm gonna be obedient to what God says. Why? Because when I do that, everything will change. It will open up the windows of heaven. Those windows will stay open. And when I give above and beyond, it will absolutely multiply the very things that I do. Now, I believe that Terry and I have an amazing marriage. Honey, do you agree with that? We love each other. Love me? Yeah, I love you too. <laughs> Sounds like I'm insecure. I'm not. Insecurity is not there. Fear of rejection is not there. Intimacy is healthy. Pride, arrogance has no place in our marriage. I am a giver, and because I am a giver, I serve my wife. I serve my wife. And I tell you, it takes, and I'm just going to say it, it takes a real man to serve his wife. It takes a real woman to serve her husband. Not expecting anything in return. <laughs> you get real quiet. My goal today, talking about giving, is that we now will give over and above because we understand this truth. 1 Chronicles 29.1 speaks of King David. And King David is the perfect example of what we're trying to ascribe to you. In verse 1 it says, Furthermore, King David said to all the assembly, My son Solomon, whom alone God has chosen, is young and inexperienced. And the work is great because the temple is not for man, but for the Lord. David absolutely understands that everything that we do is for the Lord. Verse 2, now for the house of my God, I have prepared with all my might, all my might. Basically, all my might is not talking about his strength. Everything that he's about, that he has prepared what he's about to do. Gold for things to be made of gold, silver for things of silver, bronze for 
things of bronze, iron for things of iron, wood for things of wood, onyx stones to be set, glistening stones of various colors, all kinds of precious stones and marble slabs in abundance over and above. Moreover, verse 3, because I have set my affection on the house of my God. Because I have set my affection on the house of my God, I have given to the house of my God over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house, my own special treasure of gold and silver. David is giving all that he just described. Now why? David set his affection on the house of God, God's kingdom. Every aspect of my life is about God's kingdom. Verse 4, 3,000 talents of gold, of the gold of offer, and 7,000 talents of refined silver to overlay the walls of the houses, the gold for things of gold, and the silver for things of silver. And for all kinds of work to be done by the hands of craftsmen, who then is willing to consecrate himself this day to the Lord. I said that real quick because you're going you're gonna to miss it. David said, who then is willing to consecrate himself this day to the Lord? Who today is willing to do what I do? David is saying. So if you take what David listed here, <clears throat> in today's economy, David gave $20 billion. Well, Pastor, I don't have $20 billion. Some of you might say, I don't have 20 Because David set his affection on the house of the Lord. I want to tell you, when we remove selfishness, allow God to correct and to work with our heart, bottom line, he can't even produce that hundred, that thousand, that ten thousand, that million, that billion dollars. He can produce that because that's nothing to God. But what David did is he set in his heart the affection of the house of God, the kingdom of God. That's why that happened. Because David messed up at times in his life. Thank God we're all perfect. He gave from his own special treasure. Now, I'm going to just take a little bit mm, pastoral invitation here to be able to just say something to you. I believe the special treasure was that, that David knew what God had done for him all these years. Psalm 51, when he confessed his sin before God, all that he would best you, everything that he did. And I believe that David, all through his, his life, kept putting away, putting away, putting away, putting away, putting away, and saying, this is my special treasure, and the reality is, it's because I want God to do something special with it. It's because he was so grateful. Remember last week? He was so grateful for the things of the Lord. Matthew 6, 21 says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In verse 5 of 1 Chronicles 29 
David says something, and this is what I'm asking you. Who then is willing to consecrate himself this day to the Lord? David is asking, are you willing to consecrate yourself to the house of God? Are you willing? Is it something that you are going to decide to become that nothing can motivate you or deceive you into not doing what God asks of you in the kingdom of God? That your life is so set on the things of the Lord that nothing will change that. Are you willing to consecrate that? Are you willing? The consecration literally is a daily thought process and a daily heart. It's something that creates a heart that it always reminds you of why you're doing what you're doing. It's in giving and offering, 1 Chronicles 29.6. Then the leaders of the father's houses, leaders of the tribes of Israel, the captains of thousands and of hundreds with the officers over the king's work offered willingly. Here's what I'm asking you. Would you be willing to join with me in giving all to God so that the kingdom of God would explode in revelation of the word, in the healing power of God, and the heaps of blessings and prosperity for not only the church, but for everybody in this house. Would you be willing to do that? Would you be willing to consecrate your life? Would you be willing to say, you know what, I am so done with religiosity that every other month, Someone's mad here, someone's mad there. I don't like this person. This person didn't say hi. This person's dress is too long, too short, whatever. Would you be willing to consecrate yourself and to get over the spiritual entity that is trying to bring religiosity in every area of your life that will cause you to become selfish and to the point where you're always mad at everything in life? Because there are people that are dying and going to hell and we're concerned whether the tamale in the courtyard is green or red sauce. I love you. They gave willingly. Look at verse 7. They gave for the work of the house of God 5,000 talents. 10,000 derricks of gold, 10,000 talents of silver, 18,000 talents of bronze, and 100,000 talents of iron. And whoever had precious stones gave them to the treasury of the house of the Lord into the hand of Jehiel the Gershonite. Then the people rejoiced, for they had offered willingly, because with a loyal heart they had offered willingly to the Lord. And King David also rejoiced greatly. They were in agreement of being givers. And when we're not giving, that's where, that's not kingdom. <laughs> Willingly with a loyal heart. Then he offers a prayer, and let me show you one verse, verse 14. But who am I, 
And who are my people? That we should be able to offer so willingly as this. For all things come from you, and of your own we have given you. In other words, David said in the prayer, in other words, he said, God, we just gave back to you what you gave us. How is it given back to you? With the same measure that you give, it's given back to you. Oh, wow. Now, let's find out. Let's go. Because what David did was he took everybody in the kingdom, he took everybody to the above and beyond giving, not just the tithe. Watch this. Verse 17. I know also, my God, that you test the heart and have pleasure in uprightness. As for me, in the uprightness of my heart, I have willingly offered all these things. And now with joy, I have seen your people who are present here to offer willingly to you. O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, our fathers, keep this forever in the intent of the thoughts of the heart of your people and fix their heart towards you. Are you seeing what he's saying here? I don't have to repeat it because you are. Let's go on. It still goes back to the heart of giving willingly to the house of God. In this giving, don't give under compulsion. In other words, that you're forced to do it because everybody else is doing it. And no, you're an individual. You are a man or woman of God. You have the power of God within you. You have the faith of God. You have everything that you need according to this life and the spirit life, Scripture tells us. And so what I'm saying to you is what is stated here is that, that the intent of the heart, it stays that way. His main prayer was not, oh God, maybe we can give more. It could be bigger heaps. No, he's saying, God, keep the intent of this heart forever in your people. Fast forward thousands of years. This prayer is still manifesting in the Jews. They are one of the blessed, most blessed people and this, this same prayer is manifesting in the heart of the Jews. So don't give under compulsion. Don't give under pre- pressure. Give cheerfully. Here it is. Give willingly. Give willingly because it's a passion of your heart. Return your tithe. Give offerings. Give first fruits. Love. Be kind. Forgive. Do not judge. Just be a giver. Two reasons for the lifestyle of giving. The work of God must be done. And the second, because we need a change in our heart. Can you all agree with that? Amen. I need a change in my heart. There's areas, there's issues in my heart in life that I need change. And the only way it can be changed is that I allow God to change it. And then from that change, then I give. Well, I told you Luke 9. Let's read this very quickly. 
See, people do not see giving in this. When the day began to wear away, the 12 came and said to him, send the multitude away that they may go into the surrounding towns and country and lodge and get provisions, for we are in a deserted place here. But Jesus said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish unless we go and buy food for all these people. For there were about 5,000 men, which means women and children. Then he said to his disciples, make them sit down in groups of 50. And they did so and made them all sit down. Then he took the five loaves and the two fish, looking up to heaven. He blessed and broke them and gave them to the disciples who sat before the multitude. So they all ate and were filled, and 12 baskets of the leftover fragments were taken up by them. So there were 12 baskets full were left, all right? So if you don't put yourself in the story, you're going to miss this. Verse 16, then he took the five loaves and the two fish, <laughs> looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke them and gave them to the disciples to set before the multitude. It doesn't say Jesus multiplied the food. He just looked up to the Father and broke them and gave them to the disciples. So he, he broke them so what the disciples got back was smaller now. Are you getting it? Are you there? All right. So here's the prayer. Lord, bless it. And then he broke it, gave him half back to Peter. So Peter goes to the first person and says, just take a little bit. No, that's not in Scripture. But he goes and he gives. At the end of giving to all the food grew. Here's what I want you to see. The miracle did not happen in the master's hand, but the miracle happened in the disciples' hands. You. The miracle happens in your hands. Watch this. The master blessed it. It had the potential to multiply because that's what Scripture says. Given it will be given back to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over. But what if they ate it themselves? See, two principles we must believe here, and I want you to see it again. This is what we started with in this series. The first portion is the redemptive portion, so you have to give to God first. You have to give to God first. They gave the food to Jesus, blessed it, gave it back to them, and now because they gave, it multiplied. The miracle was in their hand because the kingdom of God is within you. Jesus is the only one that has the power to bless your giving so it will multiply. You have to give to God first. Here's the second thing we learn. They gave what was left away, which is over and above the tithe. This is the over and above principle. Again, listen very, I'm, I'm being very, uh, let me use the word acute. I'm being very strong in understanding here. Tithing is not giving because tithing is returning. We don't start giving until it is over and above. 
Hello? Well, I want that free because I give to the church. No, 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 no. No, that's not how that works. That's not how that works. Let me give you an illustration. If you borrowed my car, has 236,000 miles on it. If you borrowed my car, I've put a lot of miles on it lately, my car, and when you came back with it, you don't say this, Pastor, I'm going to give you this car. No, you're returning it to me. You're not giving your tithe, you're returning it to God. Remember in Matthew 25, very quickly, Remember the talents, Matthew 25? One uh, was given five talents, and he made five more. The other was given two, and he made two more. The other one, and he buried it. When the master came back with the five, the guy who made the five, he said, here's what is already yours, and five more. And he said, well done, and good and faithful servant. And the guy with, was given two he made two more. Here is what is yours, and two more. And Master said, well done, good, faithful servant. I want you to hear this. God doesn't call maintaining faithfulness. God calls increasing faithfulness. Hear this, hear this out. The guy with the one talent said, here's what is already yours. And the master said, unfaithful servant, because you gave back to me only what was already mine. You should have at least put it in a bank and got interest over and above giving. See, what, what the word is teaching us is not banking the word is teaching us the tithe is the return to the Lord. It's his. Everything else is God's. But when you give above and beyond, that's when multiplication begins to take place in your life. People say, well, I've tithed before and it didn't work. I would suggest because you were the one talent person, understanding that you maintained, you were faithful to the returning the tithe, but you didn't do above and beyond. Above and beyond does a multiplication. And that's what, that's what uh, Jesus, that's what Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament is showing us that as always, remember David, it was a special treasure. It was something that he planned to give above and beyond what he normally gave. And with that, what happened, here's the blessing. The blessing was because he was king, releasing the kingship to his son, but he was still king. He did this, and he gave it above and beyond, and then all the people followed suit. And they did that. So here's what I'm saying to you. In every area of your life, above and beyond. Someone asked you to bake a pie, bake two. How hard is that? If the Lord speaks to you and says, go and minister to someone, take five minutes, give 10 minutes. If the boss says you start work at nine, get there early and wait for it to be plugged in at nine o'clock. 
don't get there right at nine and run to it. Still says nine o'clock. God wants us to go beyond tithing. Now, she could answer absolutely opposite the way I want her to answer. Did I talk to you about what I'm about to ask you? Okay. Do I go above and beyond with you? All the time. Why do you think I do that? Mm-hmm. I do. I love you. But why do you think I do that? Yeah, I do. Because I give, when I promised to marry you, I also promised that I'm a giver that I would go above and beyond. And because of that, I'm blessed because of what I have by having you as my wife. <laughs> and she tries not to take advantage of it. Many of you have a gift of giving, but you don't know how to live it out. And you struggle because you're getting mad. You, you, she just said it. You feel like you, you, you feel like everyone takes advantage of you when you do that. Your family, they don't care. I'm the only one that does this. And they don't do it. And, and you get all frustrated. Why get frustrated when that's who you are? doesn't matter the way they are. Are you hearing me, church? Amen. Get with other people that know how to give. And if you get with that person and they say, hey, you know, I'm, this is what I'm struggling with and I'm, I really believe I'm a giver and this is what the Lord's told me to do. You know what a giver will tell you? Great, do that and do more. But, but, but no, I want to discuss this with you. Because God told me to give a car to someone. Well, give a car and wax it before you give it to them. Fill up the tank. Go above and beyond. Terry and I have given many cars in college because I waited. I, I was one of those guys who always thought through things. And so I went to college instead of uh, signing a contract for baseball. I went to college for, or to work for three years to make money so I could go to college. And I did that. And because of that, I paid someone's tuition. They had major stuff go on with, with their mom, and thousands of dollars had to go out, and they were going to take off to go to work. I said, great. I'm glad you're thinking that you'd take off and go to work, but let me tell you, I already did that. Here, here's, a, here's the money. Pay your tuition off. Now, Terry and I enjoy being givers. We give to the master and the other is blessed. But some of you right now, because this is the way the enemy works, are thinking that Terry and I are bragging or I'm bragging. I'm not. I'm just being obedient to the Lord. And that's why I'm blessed. That's why I'm not concerned. Do, am I, I try to be smart. Sometimes I'm not. 
try to be smart with my finances and everything? Yes. But years ago, someone came to me because I really kind of adopted them as someone very close. And they were close to our family. And when we uh, went to North Carolina, they, uh, they would travel out there on Thanksgiving. And I miss it. He passed away. But he told me, he said, you know, I, I don't have any kids. I don't have this or that. He said, what I would like to do, he says, I'd like to give you my house. Well, I got really excited because I was a young buck and I didn't have much money. I still didn't have my own house yet. I was in my, my 30s. And I went to the Lord, hallelujah, Lord, thank you. He says, don't you touch that house. So I went to him and said, um, why don't you pray and ask the Lord what you can do with, with the money and everything. And he did, and he gave it. And it was wonderful what he did. Well, I'll just tell you, the house sold for $800,000. So the Lord told me, don't you touch it. That's mine. I'm going to do something with it. So I didn't. See, that's what, that's what the Lord does when you're a giver. And I know because I was obedient, I could have... I could have said, oh, the Lord bless me, hallelujah, because of all the wonderful work that I do. Nah, I'm going to be obedient to the Lord. And I trust the Lord that the blessings of God will just overwhelm us greater than it ever has. Hmm. Terry and I are so blessed. Giving is so much fun, especially above and beyond. And I want to tell you, we don't give to get. Church family, I'm just trying to convince you there is a better life to live. It's the life of a giver. That's you. God created you in his image and likeness to be a giver. You could put your name in it. For Gary so loves you, so loves his family, so loves his wife, that he gave everything. See, my heart is give everything. God, are you telling me to do this? Tell me to give this? Great, I'll do it. That's the heart of a giver. That's why I brag on you. Today, I'm not bragging on Terry and I. I'm trying to give you an example that we live what we preach. And I want you to live this life because I know what it's done for us. It's blessed us above and beyond. It's given us a, a, a life of peace, even though at times, how many of you know sometimes ministry isn't easy? It's not. Sometimes people are mean because they're going through an issue in their heart. They haven't allowed the Lord to change. But it's a joy because I give so that other lives can be changed. I want to be like King David. 
out of special treasure I give so everybody else can live the same type of life. And I firmly believe because of that covenant of God, David walked in it. And because he did that, many changed. And even today, Israel is blessed. And I want my home, and my home is blessed. If all I end up with is Terry and my kids and grandkids, that's all I need. That's all I need. I don't need fame. I don't need fortune. But God says, he will give to you above and beyond because you live a life of a giver. Let's all stand.